Olivia Jade is a name you might not remember. She kind of sounds like a perfume to me. But like, you know, the perfumes that they sell at Zara? Mm. Those are like knockoffs? They're like in-house brand. I mean, Olivia Jade to me sounds like what she is, like an Instagram influencer. That's like, or that could also be like a porn name. But I get more like Instagram influencer name. Anyways, if you don't remember that name, you're smart about what you decide to keep stored in your brain. Mm-hmm. But um, she is the youngest daughter of Lori Laughlin, a.k.a. Aunt Becky from Full House, and Massimo, who was a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. And their other daughter is Isabella Rose. And of course, Lori and Massimo were involved in the college admission scandal. They paid its ringleader, Rick Singer, $500,000 to get Olivia and Isabella into USC through some fraudulent ways. Mm-hmm. They faked that they were rowing stars, which mm-hmm. there were nothing of the sort. So Lori and Mosmo tried to act like they were innocent and they were going to try their luck at trial, but they finally got hit with some sense and they took a deal, pleaded guilty. They're both in prison now. Lori is serving two months. She'll be out by Christmas. She'll be out on Christmas Day, I think, you know. And Massimo is serving five. Yeah, so he's spending Christmas in the Chokey. Christmas in the Clink. Mm-hmm. Coming to Hallmark very soon, starring Lori in her redemption role. But um, so while the cats are away, the mice will uh, try to get some attention. Which um, So Olivia decided to do an interview, and it's her first interview, on Red Table Talk, which is Jada Pickett Smith's Facebook show. And she does it with her daughter, Willow, who's 20. Uh, Olivia Jade is 21. And uh, Jada's mom, Adrian. So it's three generations of women. And the overall theme of Olivia's interview was white privilege. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure who told her, you know, that doing that show was a good idea. Oh, yeah, because it feels like a bad idea now. Like, Olivia, we're going to talk about white privilege. And she's probably like, you know, uh, oh, white privilege. That's my favorite Glossier highlighter shade. Do highlighters have shades? Yeah, yeah, they do. There's There's variations. Yeah. So we make fun of Olivia because it's easy. I mean, she was she's she's and she mentions this on the show that she's like the poster child for white privilege because she comes from money. Mm-hmm. She's an Instagram influencer and a YouTube. And before the scandal, she said like she really didn't want to go to college, but her parents pushed her to mm-hmm. and that she was planning just to party and not really go to class. Like she didn't care about school. Oh, yeah. It was like even before all of the college uh, scandal stuff. It's like that's kind of what she was like known for on Instagram and YouTube was just like. I'm at school because I have to, like, shrug, question mark. Yeah, and then she was more interested in partying. And then when the scandal hit, all that shit came back to hit her. So, yeah. And so she got a lot of shit for it because she took another student's place who would want to be there. And she just wanted to, you know, get drunk and party. And and it seems like she was in on the scheme. Although oh. she and her sister never got charged. But we'll get to that later. Yes. So... Olivia did lose some Instagram sponsorships, which honestly is worse than prison. I mean, she's like, can I just go to prison instead and keep on my flat tummy tea contracts? Yeah. You might as well just call it a day. So before Olivia even sat down at the red table, there was uh, Adrian uh, 
Jada and Willow talked about having her on. And Adrian made it clear that she did not want Olivia on the show because she felt like Olivia's situation, like what happened is the epitome of white privilege. And Olivia was using them to look better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, basically. And And Jada disagreed, saying that she's not going to put Olivia in a box. So this is what Adrian said. You know, I, I fought it to to the nail. I just found it really ironic that um, she chose three black women mm-hmm. to reach out to for her redemption story. I feel like here we are, a white woman coming to black women for support when we don't get the same from them. It's just... It's, it's bothersome to me on so many levels. Her being here is the epitome of white privilege to me. I understand where you're coming from, but let me just be clear. I never want to be the thing that was done to me by white women. I never want to be that. Okay. I also believe that these are the kind of attitudes that feed the same thing that we're fighting. It's like people look at us, they say you're black and you're female, and they automatically put us in a category. Mm -hmm. So looking at her as being white, young, and privileged, and then putting her in a category, it's the same thing. And so Jada doesn't think Olivia knew what her parents were doing, but Adrienne is all of us because she threw a side eye to that and said that, you know, Olivia's going to recover no matter what because she's rich and white. Yeah. I mean, Miss Banfield Jones, obviously, she 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 knows. She knows. It's like we know that Lori's gonna come out and she's gonna like Oh yeah, Miss Banfield Jones is, is Adrian's last name. Banfield Jones. Yes. People and, are like, who's Miss Banfield Jones? Yeah, like, wait, there was there another woman <laughs> at this red table that I missed? <laughs> No, but like, it's very true. And like, I love the argument that I really liked between Adrian and Jada, which I just kind of wish that the whole show had been the two of them arguing over whether or not they should put Olivia Jade on the show, because that to me was the most interesting part. But um, like, she was kind of saying, yeah, like what you said, like she, Adrian believed that Olivia was just kind of using them to sort of help spin her, you know, redemption tour and all that stuff. And that it's like a redemption tour doesn't even need to happen because it's regardless, like she's still going to be fine. She's still going to, Sephora is going to offer her some sponsorships back and stuff like that. And yeah. So that's how the interview started. Like, and then Olivia came in and first of all, let's talk about what Olivia was wearing. Okay. Yes. Okay. It was like a dusty pink, like a, what, what color was that? Like a, I want to call it like, mm, it was like 90s Magenta? Carpet. Yeah, it was like a magenta fuchsia, if you will. Yeah, so it was a satin pantsuit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, girl, you're not at the Oscars luncheon. Like, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was very daytime event. It was very fancy daytime Invite event. only daytime event. Cocktails will be served. Yeah, she was overdressed. But I will say her weave was immaculate. Really? You would say that? Yes. I thought her weave looked good. You didn't think it looked good? Mm, I would not say that. I think that her, there was far too much product for like laying down her hair in the front of her head. Um, And then the back was poofed up too much for me. But not enough though. Like it should have been either poofed up way more with a bump it, maybe. uh, Or laying more flat. Or flat. It was pretty flat. 
Anyway, we'll talk about this yeah. on our beauty Patreon. We'll discuss her. her yeah, this is a, this is a paid, top to paid bonus. <laughs> but anyways, I think you know what I'll say. Okay, I wasn't a huge fan of her hair, but again, that's for the Patreon. I will say that Olivia Jade's makeup looked good. If I have to give credit where credits due, I think her makeup looked great. Okay, and I'm sure she would love. That's all she cares about. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so which honestly, she's like, how, how do I look? I don't care what I say. Just how do I look? But, she's just um, finding herself in the monitors at Red Table. She's like, just look. They're like, Olivia, you want to focus on anyone's face? She's like, mm-hmm, yeah, no, I've got someone's face. Don't worry about it. Okay, so Olivia sat down. She said she chose to do Red Table Talk because the show feels safe. And she didn't want to feel attacked. And of course, they cut to Adrian yeah. right away. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, you picked the wrong yeah. You picked the wrong table then. <laughs> you should go to The View. So... I'm not going to go through everything she said because it's, it's kind of the same thing. But yeah. she admitted that what happened was wrong and is inexcusable and thinks her parents, you know, need need to go to prison to move forward. Mm-hmm. And she knows it was, a, you know, a mistake. And that's what she kept calling a mistake. And it's like, uh, it's a crime. A mistake is like someone choosing to have sex with me with the lights on. That's a mis- That's actually worse than a mistake. That was a bad um, example. But that's it was like, it was a crime. Yeah, it, it, was wasn't a crime. A it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a whoopsie. It wasn't whoops, I scammed my way into prison. It was like, okay, I tried to explain to someone the other day that there's a difference between a mistake and a bad choice. And the two are not the same. It's like, you didn't do a mistake. You did a bad choice. You did a straight up crime. Yeah, you and did a so, felony. <laughs> and so, she, you know, she said, but they, she, she, you know, she's young. She should be given a second chance to redeem herself to show she's grown. And she said she's embarrassed by the whole thing, of course. And so she never went back to USC. Mm-hmm. You know, she was saying like, celebrate, celebrate over okay. having yeah. not to go back. And she admits that she shouldn't have been there in the first place. So there was no point in going back. Mm-hmm. And so Jada and Adrian both brought up white privileged and how many uh, white privilege and how many think that Olivia will be fine because she's rich and white. Mm-hmm. Um, Olivia says she doesn't want pity. She's not a victim. She understands why people are upset. Also, oh, just really quickly, I love how she's like, I don't want pity. I'm like, oh, Olivia, don't worry. Nobody pities you. <laughs> Nobody's sitting at home being like, oh, oh, poor Olivia. Aww. No, Gwyneth Paltrow is like, oh. Poor thing. Yeah, there's one. There's one. She looks up Lori Laughlin's net worth and it's like 20 million. She's like, oh. She's like, ew. Poor and poor. Yuck. Sorry. Where's her GoFundMe? So she, um, she's, she, she's, she understands why people gave her shit and that she's not some vapid, spoiled brat who can't change. And she says she admits she lived in a bubble and didn't look outside of that bubble and when the scandal first hit, she wondered, like, what they did wrong. She didn't think they did anything wrong because, you know, she knows, you know, people who have gotten into schools because their parents have made a donation to that school. Mm-hmm. Right. So she thought that that's what her parents were doing and that there's nothing wrong with that because that's just the status quo in her world. Right. But also it's like... um, what about those alleged rowing machine pictures? That's not a donation to the school. That's like faking rowing credentials. No, but she's kind of acting like dumb. And like she didn't think anything they were doing was illegal or wrong. Right. She kind of thought. Anyway, so she um, 
But she says she feels the opposite now. And she looks back at everything, like what she said about school, about not caring about school and wanting to party. Mm-hmm. And she's embarrassed by that. And she said that was privilege because she didn't have to worry about school since she's rich. So she's embarrassed by that behavior now. Right. So that's what basically like the gist of the interview was. It was like Olivia, it's like her redemption because she says like she now realizes her privilege and that everything was wrong or a mistake as she kept saying Mm -hmm. and then now she's like learning and growing and she also added that she's um you know working with young children at an after-school program oh boy (laughs) so it was like it was her redemption it was the first stop on her redemption tour right and adrian still wasn't having it oh yeah she didn't believe a word of it no because like later on in the interview Adrian like let Olivia know that it's hard for her to care about Olivia like losing some endorsements and followers because there's so much more hardship out there and serious struggles, especially within the black community. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard for Adrian to care because Olivia is going to be fine no matter what. Yeah. And Adrian, like all of us, really didn't buy that, you know, Olivia's this like naive rich kid mm-hmm. living in a bubble. Like, that's what kind of Olivia kept pushing. Like, she's this naive, oblivious rich girl in a bubble because, you know, Adrian said, well, Black Lives Matter is all over the news and there's issues that are all over the news. And so she was throwing a side eye at that. How do your friends feel about what, what you've been through? Do you yeah, have friends that's a good who. Question are in the same same state of (laughs) oblivion. Ignorance. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I do. And unawareness as you were. A hundred percent. They all grew up similar lifestyles. None of us are intentionally trying to look the other way. We don't need to address these problems, but we weren't presented these things. Right. And like, you don't know what you don't know. I hear what you're saying, but I also um, recognize, too, this kinds of stuff that I'm talking about has been on the news every day, all day. I'm talking about this state of Oblivion. oblivion and unawareness that she and her friends are living in. It sounds like we're putting the responsibility for that on somebody else when it's not. They're young adults and the the news is on every day. And you have some responsibility in that yourself. Right. Um, No, I can't argue that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my, you know. Yeah, I don't think you can, you can't, you can't claim ignorance like 100%. Like I can claim ignorance and be like, oh, I didn't know that. Nutella wasn't healthy for you, you know, because I never read the ingredients on the back. Like, I can claim ignorance there, but like, you can't, there's only so much ignorance you can claim. You can't claim, like, oh my God, I had no idea that, like, oh, that's not how everyone got into college. It's like, come on, girl, you know that. Yeah. You, I mean, she, yeah, I think she did play that card a lot. Mm-hmm. And in the end, Jada, you know, thanked for coming, said she was brave for coming on. And, um, you know, they all thought, like, Olivia's learning from her mistakes mm-hmm. and her parents' mistakes and wants to grow, et cetera, et cetera. I think yeah. what was important was for me to come here and say, I'm sorry. Right. I acknowledge what was wrong. And I wasn't able to say that for so long. So I think people almost thought, oh, she must not care. That must have not affected her. And she wasn't moved by that. And I took my privilege and all my blessings for granted. And I never thought anything of it. And that's what really rocked me. I was like, this is wrong. 
you need to talk about this, you need to do it publicly because the situation was public, right. and then you need to move forward and do better. Yeah. I mean, Michael, I'm going to ask the world's most obvious question here. Did you believe Olivia Jade? I mean, the whole thing was such like blatant attempt at damage control, and she, in my opinion, was totally coached. Like, oh to my say God. Yes. The right things. Yes. And I know she's young and hopefully, you know, what she's saying is true about like growing and use her money, using her money for good. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to believe the worst in people. Like I have a good heart and <laughs> I have a good heart and I always see the best in people. But I really like, no, it's it's exactly what Adrian Banfield Jones said. Nothing's going to change. She's still going to be like, selfish she's still gonna like live in her bubble she's well adrian didn't say that she She didn't say excuse me i'm putting words in adrian banfield jones's mouth and i would never do that because you just don't but she just said she's going to be fine you know like you said whether or not she did the red table or not she's going to be fine yeah like she's not gonna be homeless her bank account isn't gonna have nine dollars in it um she's always gonna find a job somewhere like you know who knows fashion nova will be like do you want to be a sponsor she'll be like okay sure like nothing is gonna happen and then like Lori's gonna get a prison she's gonna film another season of one calls the heart massimo is gonna make affordably priced t-shirts i don't know what he's gonna do but yeah it's like nothing's gonna change so it's like you don't even have to go on red table yeah, but I mean, I do want to believe her, but I, I don't think she's that sorry. And I think she's saying what she needs to say to, like, get her endorsements back. Yeah. Like, get uh, back on top of the influencer pyramid or whatever. Yeah, do they even operate on a pyramid or is it more like just a, um, it's like a Mobius strip, maybe? Yeah, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and... But what I really, I mean, like I said, she's young. Hopefully what she was saying, what she said was true. But the interview that I really want to see is Lori and Massimo. Oh, Michael. And they're going to do one because they're going to do a redemption tour too. Oh my God, they absolutely are. And it's going to be so good. That's the kind of thing I would like wake up early and line up in line for. I would not. I don't know what circumstance requires me to line up outside to you, watch an interview with Lori. You can hold my it. place and I'll come at like noon with, you know, coffee and bagels. box of donuts, burgers yeah. and donuts. I'll be there well, with my camp chair. Yeah. <laughs> Just smelling like hell because I've been there for like 48 hours in my tent. <laughs> yeah. And I hope it's like Judge Judy who interviews them or someone, you know, who's going to try Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace, that's who it should be. Because she eats white women for a snack and not Mm -hmm. in a sexy way. No. (laughs) Okay, well, here's here's the world's worst transition. We're moving on from a soul that is looking for redemption to a certified angel. Michael, who is this certified angel that I'm talking about? Well, I know who it is. But if I were to guess, like if I didn't know who it was. Certified angels. You're a good actor. Farrah Fawcett. Farrah she was Fawcett? an angel. She, yeah, well, she was and an she angel. Is an angel. She is an angel. Yeah, but I'm, okay, I should be, I should have been more specific. My fault. Don't blame me. Um, I mean, an earth angel, somebody who's still living on earth and making our lives better. It's Dolly Parton, of course. Yes. So Dolly Parton 
recently did an interview with Marie Claire or Mary Claire, depending on how you pronounce it. And she was interviewed by the RuPaul Charles over Zoom. So um, they, the reason that they were talking, like the reason that Dolly got, you know, a cover story and all that stuff is because as we talked about last week, she has her wonderful Netflix special Christmas on the Square, which I'm sure you all have went out and watched after Michael recommended it last well, week. Well, I got an email from someone, a listener is like, I turned it off after 15 minutes. I I encourage them to try it again. Put it on again. Watch another five minutes of it. I'm sure it'll be, get better for them. So um, she also has a holiday album called Holly Dolly, which that's cute. I love it. Um, so a lot of people really enjoy this interview because Dolly Parton is Dolly Parton and she's always herself. And a couple of her answers that she gives to RuPaul's question sound a little bit like Reed's. And I don't even think that she means to. That's the thing. I think she's just being, I think she's one of those people that's just honest, honest, honest. So here's what we learned from the Dolly interview, first off. So um, Rue says that when they did the interview, they conducted it over Zoom on October 30th. And he said that Dolly was sitting in front of a fireplace and a Christmas tree and a beautiful Christmas wreath. I know ex- the exact scene he's talking about because she's been doing all the shows like the morning shows and i watch mm-hmm. all those shows and it's that scene it's like i think it's set up for interviews it's like a beautiful little fireplace mm-hmm. christmas tree yeah it's gorgeous do you think it's set up for interviews though or do you think that dolly really is one of those people who like starts decorating for christmas on october 1st well i think dolly's private so i don't think she would want us to like see her real house oh so you think she it's like in the studio well it's probably like in her garage Okay, yeah, a I'll little, accept that. A little studio in her... Or it's probably in her studio. She probably has a studio. Yeah, she's I mean, Dolly. She's, yeah, she's... Of course she has a studio. Yeah, you know what? You're right. She's prepared. She's very prepared. Also very on brand. So she also told us that she wakes up every morning at 3 o'clock in the morning. No later than 3 o'clock. And as if that wasn't enough... She said she only sleeps for about three to five hours a night. And five hours is a good night of sleep for her. Yeah. And a lot of these, like, uh, you know, people who work a lot and yeah. who are successful. they Like Martha Stewart, I think, says she, like, sleeps three hours a day. I'm like, how? How? Yeah, how? Like, I, mean, I don't... Maybe if of- I had, like, assistance and shit, like, doing all this stuff for me, I could maybe. But I, my brain would not function. I mean, it barely functions at as, as it is. Oh, yeah. I get eight hours of sleep and I'm still, like, not completely there. Yeah. I don't know how she does it. Obviously, she's... She's a superhero, yeah. Yeah, she's not human, I guess. She's a super angel, yeah. Um. So... She said that between the hours of three and seven, she does spiritual stuff and business stuff and meditates. And sometimes she makes breakfast for her husband of like a million years, Carl Dean. Um, And then when she was talking about making breakfast, Rue asked her if she wears heels while she's cooking. And she says, yeah, like, duh, of course I wear heels while I'm cooking. Like, I'm always wearing heels. So... Of course she wears heels while she's cooking. She always wears heels, but she also always has her hair done and has her makeup on. So she says, I have to always stay ready, street ready, I always say. I have to keep my makeup on and keep my hair done. Like when I'm in LA, I've told you about it. If it's going to earthquake, if we get an earthquake, I'm not running out in the street looking like you look now. I have to be ambulance ready at all times if I get sick or something. So 
Well, what do you think Rue looked like then? Well, okay. Here's what I'm guessing. (laughs) Not in drag. Not in drag. I don't even think that Rue had, like, the face Keeney on that he was wearing, like, when they were doing the finales for Drag Race. Yeah. Um, I bet that... I don't know. I mean, did Rue look bad is my question? I don't think so. I don't... I dare I say it. I wouldn't ever say that, but... To be fair, like, anybody looks homely and busted next to Dolly or compared to Dolly. Like, a, the most expensive diamond in the world would look ra- like raggedy trash Oh, look like a Dolly. cat turd. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that and number two, everybody looks like shit on Zoom. Except for Except Dolly. Dolly. I bet that, yeah. yeah, Dolly has one of those faces that, like, can break through the, like, uh, HD filter on Zoom. And she probably looks like a hologram, to be honest. So, yeah, so it's not Rue's fault that he might have looked the way he did. It's it's the fact that he was next to Dolly and Zoom. So she also talked about her wigs. So Rue mentioned that, you know, he's had summer wigs for, wigs for like 23 years. And, um, you know, he's asking, like, do you have wigs that are as old as you, Shady? So Dolly says, see, you're a drag queen. Those are like costumes to you. This is my living self. I am a living drag queen. You dress up just now and then. But for me, though, I like the wigs and I wear them almost every day. So people ask me how many wigs I have. And I say, well, I must have at least 365 because I wear one almost every day. But she wears wigs. I thought that was natural grown out of her head. I know it was a revelation to me, too. I was like, wigs. I was like, is she talking about like she must be talking about a different word. Like maybe there's a synonym for wig that we don't know. But no, she's talking about real wigs. Um, but she also, de- her real hair also is kind of wig-like. She says, I actually keep my own hair the same color and I just kind of pull it up in little scrunchies around the house. But I still like to put on makeup and have my hair fluffed. I cannot tell you, Michael, what I would give to see Dolly in a with her hair pulled up in a little scrunchie all fluffed up around her house. Well, she she doesn't want you to see that. I know, I know. She's like, she's like, you, Allison, will never see. You, nobody will never see this. I don't know if it was Marie Claire or Lore, one of those magazines, like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. They asked Dolly to do, they were doing like makeupless photo shoot. You know, they're taking celebrities and right. taking all the makeup off of them, sans fards. Mm-hmm. And they asked Dolly and Dolly's like, why the fuck would I want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wh- why did they ask her? Yeah, also, no disrespect to them, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Dolly without makeup. I don't need the illusion broken. That is what Dolly looks like to me. Oh, yeah, she doesn't wear makeup. She doesn't wear a wig. That's natural. No, even if you, like, dumped an entire bottle of makeup remover on her face, guess what? None of it moves. That's what her face looks like. Yeah, same thing with the wigs, too. You could probably tug at it. That wig's not going anywhere. It's on her head. So I know that, like... My big takeaway here should be that, you know, Dolly sort of <laughs> sort of sort of dragged RuPaul a couple times, but I can't stop focusing on the fact that she she can literally operate on 3 hours of sleep. Like this is on top of so she's like recording Christmas albums, making Christmas content for Netflix. She's running Dollywood. She also says in the interview that she like basically runs her um uh her like costume museum at dollywood called chasing rainbows um and 
Uh, oh, and she also has her imagination library, which is like her mobile library thing where it donates, you know, books to kids in areas that don't have libraries. And she's donating money to like help fund COVID vaccines. This is on three hours of sleep, Michael. Yeah. And I b- maybe barely wrote a sentence today. I like cleaned my toilet and, you know, I barely strung four sentences together and it took me 12 hours. Yeah. Uh huh. And when you woke up, you're probably like, I could use another hour of sleep. Yeah. It's like I, I wake up like, what time do I wake up? Like 6 30. And by 7 30, I'm like, I, I could take a nap. By I seven, could use a nap. By 7 30, Michael, she has already like prayed, made biscuits, fluffed up her wig, touched up her makeup probably twice. She's probably like taken off her face twice and redone it all. Changed into a bunch of different heels. She gets a lot done. Yeah. You know what's something something that bothered me about that interview? Okay, yeah. Rue brought up Miley Cyrus so much. Miley Cyrus, FYI, is Dolly's goddaughter. And Mm -hmm. I was like, who cares about Miley Cyrus? You have Dolly Parton. Ask her about the tattoos. Oh, my God. She would have cut the... She would have cut the call if you asked her about the tattoos. Okay, so... If you don't know what I'm talking about... Dolly is like covered in tattoos. Okay, she so admitted she, it. Yeah, yeah. So she met. She talks about that in the interview, and um, she says she describes them all as like being like tasteful little tattoos, like butterflies and ribbons. Hearts, and stuff. Yeah, she is the cutest. But yeah, there's too much Miley. At one point in time, Rue's like, like, isn't Miley the greatest singer? And she's like, yes, she's a little superstar. And I'm like, who's this interview about again? Yeah, who? Miley, who? Yeah. Okay, so Allison, I have a question for you. It's not a certified angel question. Okay. But um, during quarantine, how many swingers conventions have you been to? Oh, Jesus. Since March? Michael, you didn't tell me there'd be math on this podcast. Not enough fingers on your hand. I'm counting fingers, toes, butt cheeks. Yeah, it's it's in the triple digits, I would say, if I had to estimate. So did you go to the um, naughty in New Orleans? convention no all the flights were sold out (laughs) yeah it's a good thing because they all got COVID so anyways there was a swingers convention in New Orleans called Naughty New Orleans and um I guess it was allowed to go on so and a singer swingers convention is usually a super spreader event but this one this year was a super spreader event for a different reason because NOLA.com says that 41 people who went to that swingers convention tested positive for coronavirus. Shocking. So Nadia Nolens uh, usually brings in around 2,000 swingers. But this year, because of coronavirus, it brought in only 250. That's, that's still a lot of people in one room. Yeah, it is. And Bob Hannaford, the organizer of Nadia Nolens, claims that masks were worn Warn, um, social distancing was enforced. How? I don't know. Um, half of their attendees had the antibodies and that many tested before the event. He said many, not all. I love many. <laughs> Just like how many is many? Several. <laughs> Numerous <than> people. <laughs> so they give out wristbands and one color indicated that the person had antibodies, and was not contagious. This is according to Bob, because that's not a fact. Yeah, I know. And that another color indicated that the person recently tested negative for COVID, and the date of their test was written on their wristband. 
So after all these people, you know, after 41 people tested positive, Bob says um, that he regrets <laughs> throwing <laughs> the event and that they worked with the city of New Orleans to make sure, you know, they were following guidelines. But he now knows it was not the right move. He thinks people got too comfortable. because Oh, at a swingers party. <laughs> you don't say um, so the festival was several days and Bob says that everyone was careful the first two days and then they got loose, pun intended, and uh, <laughs> didn't follow the rules as much. I love that he's like, he's like, they followed the rules. It's like, yeah, the rules that New Orleans set out for swingers conventions. Like, imagine the city of New Orleans being like, okay, we need to figure out ways in which people can, like, safely go to the grocery store. Like, how many people can we have in this Walmart at the same time? They're like, no, no, look, table all that. We've got Nadia New Orleans coming up. We got to figure out how we can keep all these horny swingers safe for three days. And then they're like, Monday morning, they're like, well, folks, we failed. We failed. 41 people tested well, positive yeah. for COVID. They obviously don't know that the whole point of going to a swingers convention is to hook up with swingers and fuck. Like... Put in a glory hole room or something. Put in, that, give them hazmat suits with like the, the fuck holes parts cut out. Do something. Yes. And how are you going to socially distance while hooking up with other swingers? Well, if you're Tommy Lee, you know your dick is so long you could fuck someone from across the room. But you not everyone's Tommy Lee. Yeah, you can stay very safe. Um, yeah, you're also what is this pretty woman? They're not going to kiss each other or like put their mouths near each other. Like, I could see if you, maybe you were doing something. Really well, you're like, romantic, Allison. I really... <laughs> Listen, Michael, when I go to my swingers parties, I expect a little romance. Yeah, you want to be... <laughs> I want to be wine Dude. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love... my One of my favorite parts of the story is that Bob stresses that they... One of the safety precautions they took was that they canceled the dance floor. Like, why? That is something you can do while six feet away from someone. The dance floor would have been the safest place for all these swingers. Yeah. that And also, there was a, a recent study linking COVID-19 to erectile dysfunction. So, can you imagine, like, you go to a swingers convention, catch COVID, and now your dick is half broken. Is that irony? We'll ask Alanis Morrison. Allison and I are now going to get into five stories, starting with Tara Reid. Last episode, we talked about how Tara Reid pitched a role in her movie, Masha's Mushroom, to Nicole Kidman in the comment section of one of Nicole's Instagram posts. Tara asked Nicole to follow her so Tara can DM her and they could talk about the role. But Tara was on a radio show called Access All Areas, which <laughs> sounds like an event COVID at, um, no, what was it called? Naughty New Orleans. So, um, but she said that she doesn't think she left a mess, uh, a message. <laughs> Pun intended. On Nicole's Instagram and that Nicole hasn't written her yet. Shocking. So Tara thinks that maybe someone on her team did it. So she said, I don't think I did because I think I'm the only one who controls. Oh, because I think I'm not the only one who controls my Instagram. So there's a couple of people who do it. Do you know what I mean? No, Tara, we do not. We are not A-list superstars like you, so only we control our Instagram. We yeah. can't relate. Mm -mm. No, we don't have a team, a team of hundreds of people to help us. But here's the, here's the thing, Michael. 
I love Tara and I have to, like, I have to be in her corner. I fully believe her when she says that she doesn't think she left that message. And here's why. Do we think Tara can even remember the password for her phone? No. It's Tara. Do we think? It's it's Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) It's password, actually. Password. But it's spelled like P-A-S-W-I-R-D. Password. Okay, but also, does Tara even know where her phone is? No, she definitely doesn't. Also, Tara posts so many videos of herself dancing on the beach in bikinis. She doesn't even have a spot to store her phone. So someone else is obviously operating her phone for her. Well, and you should be on her team because those are good um, excuses. Those Call are good reasons. That. Yeah. But I hope Nicole does it. Nicole should do it. Imagine if she won her second Oscar from it. Michael, 2020 is that weird that something like that would happen. Yeah. And she could write it off as charity. So it'd be a win-win. <laughs> Helen on the bottom, Carter, has a message for you single ladies. Um, she is doing ads for the dating app Bumble because a check is a check. And she says that coronavirus times have been hard for her single lady friends and that her advice is to get a vibrator and a weighted blanket for hugs. So do, do you use a vibrator with the weighted blanket on you? I mean... Is that considered a threesome? Yeah, because it's like one of them is hugging you. Yeah. One of and them the other is doing you. Yeah, that's. I think that classifies as a threesome. That's a COVID threesome. Yeah, quarantine mm-hmm. threesome. Um, but I also love that that's her advice because it's like vibrator owners everywhere are like, uh, okay, 2020 still sucks. So now what? <laughs> you, they got to throw on the weighted blanket for the full effect. But how random is it that she's doing Bumble ads? I mean... Yeah, it's random as hell. <laughs> also, and she's she, not even single. And you can't even meet her on there because, yeah, she's not single. Shariah. An Australian jogger named Tracy Noonan told 3AW Radio that she was out running when a kangaroo hit her in the back and knocked her down. She was able to get away by throwing rocks at the kangaroo and says that the kangaroo stared at her from afar for 20 minutes. Park rangers told uh, Tracy that they believe the kangaroo was attracted to her perfume, which was stashed by Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, said Kim Cattrall, wow, that's crazy that someone would actually want to wear her perfume. Yeah, that kangaroo was is on Team Kim. Okay, so you know how Giada De Laurentiis gets made fun of for how she pronounces some words like spaghetti? Spaghetti. Yeah. Or like parmigiana. Yeah. Well, here comes Nigella Lawson. So a clip of Nigella made the rounds on Twitter because of how she says microwave. She pronounces it... Microwave. Microwave. I mean, my microwave costs like 20 bucks. So Nigella's is like 5,000 and from Williams-Sonoma. So obviously it's a microwave. But um, apparently, Nigella is pronouncing it the way an Italian or Spanish person would. Microwave. Really? They wouldn't just pronounce it microwave? Not according to some people. It's microwave. But, like, how would they pronounce, like, wave? Like a wave on an ocean? Wave? Wave. Hmm, I'm suspicious. (laughs) Listen, I'm not Dolly Parton, okay? Yeah. I don't know. We gotta, we gotta get a book. We have to get a, uh, a language book from the Imagination Library, courtesy of Dolly Parton. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I can't wait until she introduces us to her second favorite French cooking tool, her instanopato. Instant pot. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Look, I'm obviously not as fancy as her, okay? Micro wave. That's how I'm pronouncing it from now on. Micro- mm-hmm. Until someone tells me I'm too poor and trashy to pronounce it like that, which will be the first time I pronounce it like that in public. Okay, so, and finally, we're all bored. So there's been this meme where people give themselves an elf on a shelf name. Everyone knows what elf on a shelf is. It's that like little elf on a shelf. Mm -hmm. So for example, Elizabeth Banks posted a picture on Twitter of Tom Hanks on her shoulder. Hanks on a Banks. Mariah Carey posted a picture of Jim Carrey as the Grinch on her shoulder. Carey on a Carey. Reese Witherspoon posted John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John on her shoulder, Grease on a Reese. And Leslie Jordan posted a picture of James Corden on his shoulder, Corden on a Jordan. So, Allison, what is your elf on a shelf name? Okay. So, as I learned with the Emily in Paris name from, I think, two episodes ago, nothing really rhymes with Allison. So, the closest that I could come, if I had to participate in this game, and if I had to put 100% effort in, it would be Jimmy Fallon on my shoulder. So, it would be Fallon on Allison, but it's a snake is interrupting me in the middle. <laughs> so it's Fallon on Alson. So that's mine. <laughs> what could son? Well, yeah, my, my name is the same. It's like cycle. It could only be cycle. So if I had to play this game, mm-hmm. um, I'd post a picture of Jabba the Hut on my shoulder, and it'd be Hut on a slut. That's or, great. I post a picture of Alan Alda and Lorda Swit on my shoulder, and it'd be Mash on Trash. It's mailbag time, and we're going to read a question we got from listener Bridget. So Bridget wrote, What's your favorite cold weather comfort food? Being Hispanic, one of my faves is caldo de pollo, which is chicken soup. So Allison, what is your favorite? Favorite cold weather comfort food. Okay, so I am assuming that Bridget meant like your favorite cold weather comfort food to make, like from scratch, kind of. Um, But my favorite cold weather comfort food, like when it's really cold, which it is all the time here in Canada, it's freezing right now. Um, I like to open up the family-sized can of Chef Boyardee beefaroni and... Then I eat it in my biggest, like, mixing bowl that I have with a Chinese soup spoon. Well, you heat it first, right? Oh, yeah. Michael, okay. come on. I'm not I'm not a degenerate. Of course well, you're I like, I put it in a bowl, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no. I Is mean, it, in my That's a cry for help, girl. <laughs> I was going to say, in my more desperate days, I just ate it right out of the can. <laughs> like an alley cat but no i heat it up on the stove because it's cold i want to be very very warm and then i eat it with my spoon and i eat it with one piece of white bread wonder bread any any brand of white bread it's gotta taste like cakey and have a lot of sugar in it but that's like my and you heat it on the stove and not the microwave not in the microwave i never would it has to be on the stove stove for like 10 Yes, stove Uh, for like 10 minutes it's like one of those things where i like to heat it up nice and low and slow you know, but that's like, honestly, when it gets cold out, that's all I want is I literally just want beefaroni. I'll also take 
uh, Chef Boyardee mini ravioli as well, but that's like if I'm desperate. Um, you're desperate both times. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> it's so good though. I love it. I don't know why. I think maybe it's like maybe it reminds me of like being a kid. Uh, we ate a lot of beef when we were kids. I don't know. I just it's it's so good. Also, I ate a ton of it when I was pregnant, which I don't know if I should admit that out loud. CPS is probably like, you did what? <laughs> I'm, I'm eating it right now. I'm like, oh, just a second. <laughs> All right. So, Michael, when the weather gets cold for you, what do you like to eat? Uh, whiskey and pork rinds, basically. Whiskey, really. But um, if we're talking about food, I'm kind of like you. Like last, like usually... And I eat this even in the summer, but it's comforting. I eat like an entire box of Kraft mac and cheese. You just, oh my God. You, you just judge me for pepperoni. And here I am like, well, unlike Allison, I am a gourmet <laughs> and I have tastes. You're like, you're like Allison's disgusting noodles and sauce from a can. Gross. My noodles and sauce from a box. <laughs> and from a packet, powdered. <laughs> Yours starts out dry. But yeah, that, and I also make like other things. Like last week, I made ramen. Yeah. But like my go-to because it's it's you know it's easy and cheesy. Like me mm-hmm. is um yeah craft easy mac and cheese. And I was watching a TikTok recently, and this woman was uh you know she's talking and she said, you know I thought I identified as a cis woman, mm-hmm. but according to a box of craft mac and cheese, I identify as a family of four. And that's how I, because the box says like four servings and I eat the whole box in one sitting. You can't do four servings. It's impossible. Yeah. It's do you ever, right. do you ever doctor yours up though with anything or do you just eat it straight? Oh, I think we've talked about this before. No, 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 no. I am a minimalist when it comes to that. It's only, only simple. Just noodles and sauce. Just noodles and sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should try doctoring up your um, beefaroni. Oh, Michael, I have. With I put what? Broccoli. I roasted broccoli and put it in. Uh, sometimes I used to put peas in my beefaroni. Sometimes I've put extra noodles. I've cooked noodles in another pot and then mixed them in with my beefaroni. They just give you so much sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that should be their tagline. We give you a lot of sauce. We give, we you, give you so, so much, much sauce. sauce. Okay, that ends our mailbag. If you've got any kind of question for us, email us at dtp at delisted.com and we may answer it on an episode. So next week is our year-end wrap-up. Mm-hmm. And we have a very special guest. Our first guest ever. Actually, your daughter was our first guest. Yes, but sh- I don't think she counts because she wasn't intentional and we are very intentional with this guest. Yeah, and she didn't give a fuck what we were saying. Yeah. Not that anybody does. But um, yeah, so we have a very special guest next week. And it may be out a day late because it may be long and it may take me a minute to edit it. So FYI. But until then, thank you, Allison. Have a good week, Michael. Bye. Bye.